Hello there and welcome to this three-quarter century episode of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. My name is Gary Turner, your host, and what a great person I have to share with you today. As we celebrate episode 75, it's Oleg Lohid, who is the podcaster and founder of Overcoming Odds. And my goodness, this young man has overcome quite some odds to become the inspiration he is today. And I don't say that lightly. Oleg has a real wonderful presence, a wonderful grace, a real connectivity himself and those around him. And it's no surprise that he's someone that fits in wonderfully with the rapidly expanding movement of Humans First. Um, Oleg references the likes of Mike McCanty, Kevin, Olga, and especially Brian Kelly, who's been a big supporter to Oleg. And I just think it's really, really lovely to hear that Oleg speaks to the origin of his podcast and his work around overcoming odds being to see the worth and uniqueness within all of our stories. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful segue to take you into this conversation, episode 75 of the podcast, with the super inspiring Oleg Lohid. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And today I've got a, an exceptional human being, to be honest, called Oleg Lohid, who is a podcaster himself. He has two podcasts, one in particular that I love called Overcoming Odds. And indeed, he's the founder of Overcoming Odds. So welcome to the podcast, Oleg. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your show. Not at all. Well, look, as we get going, I always like to allow the listeners just to learn a little bit more about our guest, Oleg. So would you mind just giving us a sort of two-minute rundown? Who are you? What is your background? And where does Overcoming Odds come from? What's your, what's your fire behind that particular brand? That's a very good question. I actually just, just finished writing an article on, about who am I? And it's a very arbitrary question because there's so many different facets that make up who I am. But for this particular sake, in this particular conversation, I choose to be someone who is in the journey of helping other people see the worth and uniqueness within their own stories. And out of that particular mission was actually born the organization of Overcoming Odds. And what it is and what it has been is a platform for people to share their stories and really be able to embrace as much as they can along that journey. So all the things that have happened to them is part of who they are. And what's been very interesting for me to take a step back and reflect and actually write this article as we speak about it was I began to notice that I am all of the experiences. And as part of that, yesterday I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about shadow work. And as part of our shadow as I'm sure you might be aware, we are born with the positive and negative emotions and everything else in between. And what's been very fascinating to me as I looked at that journey is as we prog progress within society and as we grow, certain things become accepted and others become rejected. So it's acceptable to be happy, but it's not acceptable to be sad. So I love these particular platforms where you can just be both and where you can acknowledge both and where you can understand that you need both of those in order to be whole. Mm -hmm. So, you know, overcoming odds really has been that place and platform where we understand all sides of the human experience and we give people the platform to share that regardless of what it is, because at the end of the day, 
all of the experiences make up who you are. So it's important to be able to embrace them for what they are. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really love as well that you spoke about the platform is helping people realize their uniqueness and also mm-hmm. their worth. Do you mind speaking mm-hmm. to that a little bit? Where does that, why does that matter to you as Oleg around worth and uniqueness? Well, you know, I, I think when building a platform of this type, it, it all boils down to the story that you choose to live. And in my particular case, I didn't have the um, brightest of, of upbringings when I, when I was growing up. And that is, I grew up in a relatively small town in Russia. And from about the age of four to five, maybe a little bit younger or older, I had a very different um, change within my family dynamic. And that is, instead of all of us, and that is my sister and my mother living under one roof, we all became separate. And my mom became an alcoholic. My sister all of a sudden became my legal guardian. And so as part of that transition, I had to figure out ways to essentially not only try to bring back the family, but also be an adult in situations where I wasn't meant to be. And as part of that, I think there was always an underlying message of wanting to belong, wanting to know that I matter, and wanting to know that I'm worth it at the end of the day. One of the things that ends up happening when you are, in a way, abandoned or neglected by your parents is your self-worth begins to diminish because then you start to ask yourself the questions of, well, why is this happening to me? Do they not love me anymore? Did I do something wrong? And so as part of that journey, one step to another, it led me to going into an orphanage at nine years old. And that was another huge stepping stone for me because even though I had decided to go into that particular system, it was during that time that I began to notice that even though we had caregivers, not every single one of them loved us for who, for who we were. And so for me, starting this particular platform of Overcoming Odds, it started from my story. And I recently read another article, and I don't know if you've had a chance to check it out yet. It was published on TED.com. And it was talking about the different narratives that we have within our lives and how we actually choose to create the type of story that we live to the remainder of our life. And one of the subjects that it was talking about was redemption stories. And it was talking about the things that have happened in your past, form of tragedy, adversity, and why you choose to live the life you do now in order to reverse that cycle or change that situation from the past. So for me, I think that situation is the same exact thing. I saw the tragedy, I saw the adversity in my past, and now I'm wanting to help the quote-unquote Oleg, who is that age, to not live a similar story. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing, vulnerably, your, your background. I think the thing that comes up to me straight away, and I think Brene Brown does a lot of work around self-worth and around the stories we tell ourselves as well, and I just think it's so compelling what you're, you're speaking to around uniqueness, around that we are good enough, that the stories we're telling ourselves, because if we think about an organizational context or as an individual or in a relationship, we've not really been taught, have we, how to have these conversations, Oleg, really. Mm-hmm. And embracing them, I think, is is also a challenge because 
there's it's very interesting i guess it depends on where where you are in the world but for me living in the united states starting from the age of 12 there were a lot of cultural differences that i noticed and one of them is that i think being vulnerable as i progressed from middle school to high school to college it all of a sudden was seen as a weakness and there weren't many spaces where I could be vulnerable and being vulnerable to me, I think just means being yourself and that is being true to who you are and living out your truth. There's no, I don't have to go on top of a mountain and shout I'm vulnerable to be vulnerable. I could just be myself. And as part of that, I think because of the way the society is structured in today's day and age, those spaces become very limited a lot of the things that we do is automation nowadays. And so there's really, there aren't many chances where you can have a conversation like this and talk about the things that you're going through and talk about the ways that you can help each other. It has become, I think, in a way, very transactional um, society where it's kind of, you, I'd like to think it's give or take, but some, sometimes it's more take than give. That's a really, really interesting statement you've just made for me. Everything is automation. It's true. Like, and I, I, I often, we can do it a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's something I think we do need to be aware of, Oleg, for all of us is actually people talk about they're fearing the robots coming. Mm -hmm. But we've only got to worry about the robots if we're acting like robots ourselves <laughs> as human beings. So yeah. there's, a, there's a deep irony in exactly you speaking directly to that, actually this, this automation of life. Mm -hmm. yeah adding or amplifying the dehumanization that already exists. So we're mm -hmm. really having these conversations more, I feel, so people know it's okay to talk about this stuff. And how does your platform help other people have these conversations? What's your vision for the platform going forward? Well, the vision for the platform is that we started off as an online space to help people share their stories. And what we have transitioned into is actually starting to have a lot of in-person experiences. So events that focus on different aspects of our narratives. And for example, so you have a better understanding of the type of events that we do have. The three events that we have coming up this year, first one is called Turning Your Pain into a Powerful Message. So really um, reshaping and reframing the adversity and the things that have happened to you or even the labels that you've identified yourself as and turning them into a way that you choose to view yourself. Um, the second event is in Washington, D.C. called The Courage to Be You. So all about being you, knowing that you are worthy, knowing that you're enough. And the third one is called Flourishing Beyond Your Circumstances. So all of them, I think, in a way, use a form of positive psychology to reverse the circumstances that we've had in our lives and helped us help us view them in a positive light. So it, it started as a place, and it still is, where people can come in together online and share it. But what I've learned as far as any type of impact that has had in my life, it has always happened through some form of in-person interaction. Because as I'm sure you know, that's a whole different ballgame to see an individual, to see their face, to see their eyes open, and versus just seeing their story. And even though I think both have an impact, it, it all boils down to which one has a greater impact on you 
Therefore, which one do you choose to um, use as foundation as you continue to build out the platform? And so that's what we started to do is we started to go from one city to another and host these events that focus on different aspects of our personal narrative. That's awesome. Well, good luck with that. That's, that's so exciting. Generally, I'm so excited for you because, again, in a time of high automation, high automation, lots of tech reliance, you know, to create those safe spaces for people to have these conversations, I think it's great. And it's what I'm sensing as well, Oleg, this, you're not trying to be a therapist here. You're trying to bring together, create a safe space for just human beings to have these right. conversations you and I are having. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, when you speak about automation, it happens a lot more than we think it does, I think. And that is, I mean, when you look at a day, uh, just on a daily basis of the things that we do as human beings, uh, for this particular example, I'll analyze my own routine. And that is, I go to a grocery store or I go to a coffee shop and it's the same exact process. You walk in, place the order, go to the end of the line, pick it up, and then you're out of the store. There aren't really many opportunities to talk to the person about deep stuff that we're talking about. You can spark a conversation, but oftentimes what I've noticed is that during the times that I have, it has, it almost alarmed the other person because they've never been asked such a question before. For me, I think one of the times that I will say I've had conversations like this is with Uber and Lyft drivers. True story. Just, I think, being able to get in that car, and, and I always ask them beyond why they do it or how much they make. I always ask them deeper questions, like what made them want to do this? You know, um. Are they happy? Does this bring them happiness? And you'd be surprised the type of answers you'll get from people as far as the stories that come come alive from those particular questions. And I, I don't know why, but maybe it's because you are in the car longer than you are at the store. And so there's more time that's allowed for those type of conversations. But for me, it has always been the most um, insightful process, just being able to learn from another person who has come here from Jamaica and they left their home, they left their family to pursue this greater thing or, or a version of their dream in the United States. And so hearing those stories is always fascinating to me. And at the end of the day, that's why it, it drives me forward in knowing that we're all unique. And we all experience our own version of our journey. And even though we might, like, like I told you before, at the beginning of this, we might be in the same exact time, we might, might be in the same exact place, but the way that we experience that particular event is going to be entirely different. There's so much, Oleg, coming up in what you've just described to me. There's two things I want, I want to pull out for, for the listeners that interest me. One is around that empathy and curious well basically empathy and curiosity so there's one in that you're taking the time to genuinely be interested in another human being and how they see the world and there's also the thing for you which i love about curiosity so i, I believe that that experience that you've created not just for you but also for that lift driver is because you've asked the question so many mm-hmm. people probably just sit there as i've done a million times on my phone for that 40 minute journey and said nothing but mm-hmm. you actually intentionally said I want to show you that you're another human being. I'm interested in you. Therefore, I'm going to ask you some questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think those two things are really powerful for me, sort of curiosity and empathy. 
And I think it's it, when, when speaking about curiosity, what I've learned from myself is that I try to be curious as much as I can, because I think it's through curiosity that I'm able to learn and really connect with other people on a much deeper level. So staying curious, staying open-minded, knowing that there, I mean, there are always opportunities around us. And so curiosity is kind of that entryway or that door to any of those opportunities because it puts you in a space where you're not judging, where you're not being superior to other people. And it just gives you an opportunity for an open dialogue of between two people or a group of people that are on the same playing field. And that's where I think that the, converse, the conversations that do end up changing your perspective or change your lives do happen because all of a sudden I'm on the same exact field as you are. Therefore, what I know is equal to what you know, but I also know that you may know different things and I mean all different things. Mm. I, I want to come back a little bit to your background, if I may, your education. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's an accident that, you know, you've worked through your difficult, let's say, younger childhood and mm-hmm. you've got this clear thirst for curiosity. You've got this clear thirst for learning, you know, going right through, you know, the education system in the US, doing very, very well. Do you th- are those things linked? Do you think your sort of origin story propelled you to have a thirst for learning? Or do you think you always had that within you? How do you look at that sort of innate versus learnt sort of curiosity? I think I've, I think I've had it in me to a degree. And that is, I believe that when you, when you are put in modes of survival, which I was during my first 12 years of my life, you you're kind of not given any option but to stay curious. And that is when you don't have options to begin with and you have to create options and opportunities, the only way to do so is to go into a situation with an open mind. And so for me, I think that was a huge stepping stone in understanding that. Now, I can't tell you exactly whether I understood it in the same exact way back then, but I know that just looking back at some of the memories that I do have from that particular time, that's one of the things I always chose to do and not to stay curious about situations. I've always been a person that was that wanted to start a conversation with a stranger and simply for the sake of not knowing where that conversation may lead. So I think beyond that, there was always a curiosity of, well, where could this go? What does this person know that I don't know? How can this person's perspective enhance my perspective or or my worldview on things? So survival, I think, helped me develop curiosity to a degree. As far as all of the other things that have come from it, the drive, the persistence, I think those things were developed over time. But I do think that when you are put in survival situations, drive, the urge to keep going, the hope, the inspiration, all of those necessary factors come alive because you're not given any other options. 
And so for me, I think pursuing this particular education and funny story behind that is that when I was leaving Russia, one of the last words that I ended up telling my sister, this was, I was 12 years old, 2005. One of the last words I was telling, I told her on the footsteps of the orphanage was that I was going to become a Russian translator and come back and save them. Now, I came to the States, that thought had exited my mind, at least to to my um, awareness. And seven years later, I ended up pursuing a degree in Russian translation. So it's interesting how things work out. And I think what's important to note from that particular instance is just the power of our words. And just like you and I were talking about, there is, there is something greater than us. There is a form of energy that's greater than us. And even though we may say something and we may forget it for six years, if we truly meant it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to find a way to come full circle and help align you to the person that you're supposed to be. So, so powerful. There's, there's two things that I'm feeling, not just thinking, feeling as you, as you speak, Oleg, is one around the importance, whether you have an adverse background or not, is staying out of that comfort zone, which mm-hmm. can rock, you know, that can really saturate our curiosity. If we sit in that comfort zone for too long, then we start getting mm-hmm. lazy in our thinking. But the last thing you just said for me, which is so powerful, is the power of intention. Mm-hmm. So just putting it out there, voicing it, speaking it, it does send an energy effect out into the universe. It just does. And I don't care how many people laugh at me as we have this conversation afterwards, because it does sound a bit woo woo, but I'm firmly of the belief the last 12 months that I've woken up to this, the power of our thinking. And I mean a power both as a good and a bad thing. I, mm-hmm. I truly believe, and I like your thoughts on this, Ole. I truly believe the difference between who we are today and who we want to be mm-hmm. is how we think about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why you, you laughed at the fact that it sounds, it sounds funny when we say it. And I think the reason why we, we do think it's kind of a funny or way out there subject is because we're not able to see this particular process with short-term results. So it, it's not exactly that I'm going to think, okay, I want to have a million dollars and within the next minute, a million dollars is going to appear in front of me. Sometimes it takes time and sometimes you, you, I don't know how this process works, but I think certain thoughts have to align with one another and certain people have to be connected on certain frequencies to be able to have those kind of connections emerge. And there's no time frame on that. There's no time frame as far as when those happen. They literally may happen the next minute or they may happen 10 years down the road. But what's important within that, just like you said, is if you continue to tell yourself those messages and repeat it out loud or whatever the form that you choose to do, visualize it through drawings, that it will happen. It will happen for many reasons. I think first one is because it you're almost giving yourself a goal. You're almost putting yourself in that situation before it happens. And what's been very interesting for me is, is just seeing the power of my mind. And 
what you can actually manifest in this lifetime. I mean, think about some of the some of the examples that I think Jim Carrey is one of the first examples that comes to my mind. And I don't remember the exact number, but he ended up writing himself a check for a million or $10 million or something like that. And he dated it. And through his acting, he was going to achieve it. And he literally achieved that. Before he even had it, he wrote himself a check for that amount. And then he achieved that. I think for you and I, it's not any different. When we set goals, when we visualize them, conversations with X, Y, and Z, or being on certain stages, or sharing your message with X number of people, it's the same exact thing. You're putting yourself in that position of actually having attained the thing. And then as part of that, you allow yourself and just like you said, the energy and the thoughts to connect with others in this world who will help you get there. I think that's one of the ways you do pave that path, which makes me think that I, I don't know, maybe we do have, we have the potential, I think, to build our own, but we also need other people to help us build our path. I'm really intrigued you came to that point, actually, because I'm, I'm in front of me, people won't be able to see this, but I've got what I call a board of intentions. And that board 12 months ago was blank. And that board now has about 90 different things on to do with speaking, podcasts, meeting different types of people, Oleg. Mm-hmm. And probably about 50% of them have got a ticket on where I've spoke to someone, I've spoke on stage or something like, this stuff is real. I want people to understand this is not woo-woo. Yeah. yeah the end of the day is it is it a goal is it an intention it, it, there's no guarantee in this either i don't want people to think it's like like the, they talk about the secret don't they they sit there <laughs> you don't do anything and suddenly it lands in your lap that's not what we're talking about but i love your point about the connectivity and i think you and i share a mutual love of the humans first movement which mike mccanty and kevin monroe and olga are all part of because that, mm-hmm. that for me is a great example of a movement of interconnected humans that all want yeah, to help each other manifest. It's not just about me or you. It's actually how do we help each other reach where we want to reach. Mm-hmm. And that's the most difficult part, I think, is being able to step outside of yourself and offer your assistance and service to other people. I think Brian Kelly is an excellent example of someone who does step outside of, he steps outside of himself. His first question is, how may I help you? Mm-hmm. It's not, how can you help me? And it's interesting to put yourself in that perspective because as I'm more connected to him and his work, I'm also noticing myself and my thought patterns reframe to that type of mindset and thinking. And it's um, the reason why I say it's a challenge to ask the question of how can I help you before how can I help myself is because I think we're just, we're wired to, well, A, we're wired to survive. And as part of the survival, I think the, the first thing that comes is, well, if I have to survive, therefore, I need help to survive. Someone else has to help me to survive. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to be able to reverse that narrative and ask the question of, well, how can I help you survive? How can I help you thrive beyond that? Instead of asking you, can you help me with X, Y, and Z? Very, very powerful. Very powerful. And who, going to go a little bit of a, a sideways segue now, Oleg, so I like to ask this question sometimes. Mm-hmm. Who or what is inspiring you 
personally the most right now? It doesn't have to be a particular figure. It could be anything at all in the world. But what's really giving you energy above everything else right now? I think what's really giving me energy right now is the human conversation. And that is a dialogue with literally any human being. And the reason why is because I think I've finally begun to understand that you you get to where you're trying to get to by inviting other people into your life and you your life and your perspective changes when you once again invite others into your life and allow them to either ask you questions or to share their views share their perspectives what i've learned is that the more i begin to share my story the more opportunities i created where i was giving a chance to other people to ask them questions, to ask me questions about different elements of that story. And 90% of the time, those questions I've never asked myself because you only know what you know. And so as part of that journey, it has been very interesting to see the type of questions that I've been asked. And in order for all this to come full circle and make sense, it took me back to a time when I was sitting in high school in my ninth grade English class. The teacher at the time, her name was Judith DeWaskin. And one of the most important things she has told me during that particular semester was that there is no such thing as a stupid question. Now I look back at my life and I refer to that phrase. There is no such thing as a stupid question. Every question is valuable. It all depends how you, look, how you choose to look at that question. Some of the questions could be, quote, unquote, the simplest questions, but yet they will reveal the deepest answers. So questions, who are you, like you posed to me at the beginning, seems relatively simple. But when you really think of the essence of it, who am I? I can list off a 100 different things and beyond that. And it's the most complex thing to be able to summarize our whole, whole existence into one phrase answer. So that's one of the things that I've learned from her. And I think she's also been one of the people that has inspired me to ask questions and to ask the difficult questions as well. The questions that we tend to avoid, the questions that I've avoided for a good portion of my life. And one of those, you know, it, it has to do with challenges. What are you going through right now? I think for me, there was a tendency for a good portion of my life to avoid that question because it required me to be vulnerable and vulnerable, vulner, being vulnerable was seen as a weakness. Mm-hmm. And for those, especially who are males listening to this, being weak in this particular society is not necessarily your strength. And so instead of me choosing to describe the things I was going through, I created a mask. I created a mask. And what's been interesting as I look back at this whole experience is once you create a mask, there's no such thing as a temporary mask. I think once you create that mask, you wear a version of that mask forever. I think, I think you find ways to, redefine and reframe that mask that you once had on 
but it still changed a part of you in some way or form. And that part of you will always be with you, no matter where you go and no matter who you become. Throughout my life, I've transitioned through, I can't tell you the number, but it's been a lot of different identities. And part of some of those identities required me to create a mask in order to not be bullied or made fun of. And I look back at everything now and it changed me in some way. It changed the type of relationships I decided to pursue. It changed the type of friendships that I had. So people that inspire me are those who have helped me realize the essence of why I'm here. And that is to learn more about human, other humans, to continue to expand my perspective, and to know that there's no such thing as a stupid question. Beautiful. Well, as we start to wrap up, that's, that's a wonderful segue. I absolutely love that. And I just want to share with the listeners as well. I'm not sure if you've read the book by Lewis Howes, Oleg, called The Mask of Masculinity. Mm. It's a brilliant book. And I just want to reinforce Oleg's message. If anybody's interested, particularly if you're male, and wonder what the toxicity can be of wearing too many masks at once, it's a great book to read. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. As we look to wrap up, what are you hoping for? As you go forward with these amazing events, I love it. The courage to be you, flourishing beyond your circumstances. You know, what's the vision for you? Are you hoping to have more and more of these events more regularly going forward? Or? Our goal is to have the events as often as we can. So for next year, for 2020, we're planning to have um, quarterly events, and that is in different cities. And, you know, really the, the goal of it is to help as many people as we can to see themselves for who they are. And that is worthy, unique, and being able to embrace the journey and the things that have happened to them. That's, that's really the biggest mission is to just help us connect, help us understand that we are much more similar than we think we are. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. We're all constantly learning to live and deal with our imperfections. And as part of that, I think that's what makes this whole journey beautiful. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting to even say that word, beautiful. My life is beautiful. I'm worthy and truly mean that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, what a way to wrap up. I, don't, I think you'll be getting a few uh, contact requests after this, Oleg. Um, stunning. Absolutely. Honestly, really, really appreciate your time. How can people follow up with you and find out a bit more about the events? What are the best ways? I think the best way to do so would probably be a connecting with me, just like you said, through LinkedIn or any other platform. And um, the second route is going through our website and that is overcoming odds.today. And on it, you'll be able to find the events, the podcasts, and also ways that you can share your story and become a part of this community. When we've started to create this particular platform of having people sharing their stories, I've always made it a point to not um, limit the t- the type of people that can share as far as if you've been through X, Y, and Z experience and you have dealt through a form of adversity or challenges, which I think majority of us have, that's what really connects us. It's not necessarily being part of a specific group or a specific label because at the end of the day, we get to choose that. We get to choose the label that we wear as part of our identity. So uh, best way to do it through the website 
um, any form of social social media. I'm always happy to connect, just like you and I have. Always happy to learn about others and finding ways that we can help one another. Beautiful. Well, just a final little shout, shout out to our friend who you you hosted for the first time, Oleg. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, uh, Olga. Sorry. Um, so Olga, you did a great job with a with the kind support of uh, Oleg. So we really enjoyed that conversation. So do subscribe to Overcoming Odds, um, which is one of two podcasts Oleg has. And I'm really looking forward to us staying connected, Oleg. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi there. And Gary Turner here, just wrapping up this wonderful conversation a deep conversation with the lovely Oleg Lohid. First thing I wanted to reflect with you on is around the fact that through the simple questions, we can reveal the deepest answers. I think that's such an insightful comment from Oleg. I've certainly experienced that over my personal transformation in the last few years. Has there been any occasion when you, the listener, have actually got a lot more value maybe from something that seemed innocuous or really simple, but yielded a lot more insight and realisation in you than maybe you otherwise thought it might be? I also loved Oleg speaking about that vulnerability to him means being yourself, being true to who you are and living out your truth. I was 38 years old before I had any idea what my truth could even look like. I wonder wonder if you're listening to this right now. Are you really clear on what your purpose is, what you believe in, the difference you're trying to make bigger than yourself, the people you need to surround yourself with to bring that to life? You know, we are already all enough. I'm clear and clear around that fact. But the need to be vulnerable is quite often something that people have to lean into because we're just not used to it. We're not used to being our innate brilliantness. We're not used to just being enough. So I'd love to know if that resonates with you or not. I also loved Oleg speaking about that curiosity puts you in a place where you are not judging. You're not being superior to other people. This for me is one of the standout insights, not just in this conversation, probably through the whole podcast journey, the last 18 months as I've grown through listening and reflecting with people on this dis- throughout these different conversations. But if you're being curious, you're just not in a place of judgment. I think it is such a powerful, powerful reflection and one that I think speaks to a lot of Brene Brown's work as well. Um, you know, we're, if we're being curious, are we thinking about whether we're feeling ashamed? Are we feel, feeling about whether we're fearful? Are we fearing about whether we're good enough, etc.? I don't think we are. That place of innate curiosity, that curiosity about other human beings yeah it just takes you completely away from the uh the negative self-talk and the fear and i think finally what i'd like to reflect on you with is he spoke about that we might be in exactly the same time and exactly the same place but we may experience the exact same event completely differently depending on where we are in the moment with our thinking about ourselves on that note i really hope you take a lot away from this conversation Big shout out to our mutual friend, Olga. Olga joined um, Oleg's com- podcast recently, Overcoming Odds. So do go and have a listen to that one. I'll put that in the show notes as well. But until next time, my name's Gary Turner. You can find me at Gary Turner Zero on, on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. And you can find me at, sorry, you can find me on the listening organization, one word, .co.uk, where I offer a whole range of different safe space creating workshops and leadership support should you or your organization or your leadership be keen to unleash the innate brilliance of your people, people you're already paying money towards to employ. Till next time, take care.